What's up, Fight Fan? You are listening to MMA Daily, the podcast where we bring you the latest in the world of mixed martial arts. It is Tuesday, May 31st, 2022, and this week's episode, Summer Approaches. We'll be talking about the latest in MMA news, a lot of fight announcements, and some new details regarding the PFL's plans to enter the pay-per-view business. So we'll get in-depth about that and discuss the latest heroics by one Batman, a.k.a. Kevin Holland. And we will cap off the show by previewing this coming Saturday's MMA event, UFC Vegas 56, and the heavyweight bout between Alexander Volkov and Jarzinho Rosenstrike. My name is Gabriel Gonzalez, and I'm joined by my co-host, Natalie Zamudio. Hello, Double G. What a quiet holiday weekend it was, right? I kept I kept searching. I said, was there, were there any fights? Was there anything? No, no, that's right. Nothing. <laughs> it was weird. I mean, it was a week of some pretty epic uh, NBA playoffs, if yes, I say so. Yes, that's true. I was watching that. So you're right. Uh, I was just, you know, specifically fights. But yeah, were there other good sports going on? Yes, I even watched, caught some, uh, some NASCAR. So, you know, there was, and Monaco Grand Prix F1. So that was, that was good too. All good stuff. Oh, well, look at you being such a multi-layered sports fan oh, yes i'm quite uh, diversified in my uh <laughs> I, I made sure i got my money's worth out of the streaming services that i subscribe to you know what i mean yeah but um you know like uh, like one of my favorite memes it's like you know when they're like when people ask me why i don't go out on the weekends it's like excuse me do you know how much rent is worth i'm trying to get my money out of it i'm not <laughs> not gonna leave that's actually very fair that's a super funny way of looking at it it's like, why don't you go out it's like do you know how much i pay for all these bundles yep <laughs> that tv is going on anyway all joking aside um look not usually right about now i'm telling you let's get started with the main event blah 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 none of that so we're gonna go right into mma news um, probably the more intriguing one, because I think that this raise, you know, a- anytime we get more details about this, it feels like we are learning something very significant about the business model. And that's the PFL's plans to enter the pay-per-view business. And so before we've gotten details, for example, they're going to have their own, almost like a separate mini roster that specifically is involved only to fight on their pay-per-views. And I'm assuming some of those might even just be one-off contracts that they sign people for. But then they also discussed, okay, there's going to be four events. Now, the latest details, founder Don Davis said that instead of four, there will only be two PFL pay-per-views in 2023. And then secondly, perhaps most intriguingly, he said that the promotion is going to split revenue from the pay-per-views 50-50. So 50% of all the money generated goes to PFL. The other 50 is distributed amongst all the fighters who participate on the pay-per-view. So he did kind of say, look, you know, this is, um, he implied it as a bit of an incentive. Like, look, if you want to go compete on a UFC pay-per-view and all that, you can. But now there is a, quote, second option if you choose you want to fight for the PFL in their pay-per-view system. Remember, this is not obligating you to be in the tournament. The PFL pay-per-view fighters are different than the PFL regular season million-dollar tournament roster. So, right now, Kayla Harrison's the only one actually guaranteed will be a pay-per-view fighter next year. 
However, this now raises some questions. And I'm going to toss it to you, Natalie. When you hear this news, what are your thoughts? My first thought is a 50-50 pay-per-view split sounds great. But is it, like, it's great in theory. It's great if it were happening with the UFC. But how many people are going to buy the pay-per-view? In which case, how much is the 50-50 split even worth? You know, 50 split for the fighters. And does that mean that they don't, do they still get paid, you know, a fight purse was the other thought I had. You know, I oh. hope they're still getting paid something up front. And uh, then the, I'm for, for sure they got to okay. still be getting Thank purses. You. Yeah, yeah, that would be cruel. Um, so it's a great idea. It would be better if it was coming from a promotion that would be guaranteed to, to sell a lot of pay-per-views like the UFC does. Um, what will the PFL have to do? How will they have to... Um, you know, schedule, match up their fighters so that this is actually valuable for the participants. Now, of course, this is the first time. You have to give them an opportunity to grow the pay-per-view business. So I'm being a little harsh, but it's a it's a question worth asking, worth bringing up, a point worth bringing up. As far as Kayla Harrison, I wondered, you know, if she's a pay-per-view fighter for next year, it seems like they have the option to do both, but you know, what does that do for their tournament if Kayla Harrison isn't a part of it? Um, because that is primarily why I tune in. This new season started off great for Anthony Pettis and um, Roy McDonald. Yeah. Uh, and so that also is exciting now that we know they're going to be game and, and have a good fight. Oh, yeah, and of course, Clay Collard. Um, but if Kayla Harrison's not there, will I still tune in? Yes, but but she's the she's the star of the promotion. Everybody knows that. I think that's... You cannot argue against that. So main questions, how much are they going to be making up at the start of this pay-per-view venture? And, um, you know, will the stars still be in the tournament next year? I mean, so uh, this is going to be blunt, but let's just call it like it is, right? Call it macaroni. And Mm -hmm. you you brought up the point, which I agree with, about how much revenue is actually, you know, going to be generated split that 50 and then split that about roughly 30 something ways let's say you Mm -hmm. have 15 fight card maybe a little more but you as in less fights some more of a cut um okay so is that more or less going home than a let's say fifty thousand dollar fight of the night bonus yeah okay let's ask that okay fair all right that's question number one okay to be determined. Leave it at that. Secondly, I feel, and this also coincides with last week's show where we talked about Bellator doing pay-per-view, right? And what does it take to break into the business? Like I said, we have seen this multiple times. You know, people have tried it and it's like, okay, can you can you command a certain dollar amount? UFC can't even command dollar amount. Go on social media when there's a UFC pay-per-view. You will find multiple people who not only say they didn't pay for the pay-per-view, they like to brag about how they never do. Mm -hmm. For UFC, for the top-tier product that you don't want interruptions when you watch. You don't want to worry about the things that happen when you are not going through the, quote, proper channel. You get what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's for UFC. PFL. You know, uh, all right, I'm going to just leave it at that. For example, um, Tyson Fury, Deontay Wilder, number one. They did a great job promoting it, considering both guys kind of 
were the odd ones out in the Anthony Joshua heavyweight show. Mm-hmm. I read something. Tyson Fury, Deontay Wilder was the number one pirated event. <laughs> Meaning you had two guys that people got intrigued in because you promoted it so well. But at the end of the day, because it wasn't the quote top tier product, no one wanted to say, oh, yeah, I'm going to pay for these guys that until they fought, people weren't really talking about. Let's just put it bluntly, right? Right. Yeah. I see that with the PFL. And now I I think the real test is going to be how deep are their pockets upon kickoff? What I mean by that, let's say, okay, number one fight. I am getting the feeling that they are all chips in on trying to make Harrison Cyborg first pay-per-view of 2023. Here's the caveat to that. (laughs) Chris Cyborg is set to become a free agent, right? Yep. And we heard about Scott Coker. Why isn't PFL negotiating? I haven't gotten the call. If I had to put my finger on it, because I think PFL has done many things. Not all of their struggles are necessarily their fault. They're working with what they have available. I don't know if PFL necessarily feels the need to call Scott Coker yet. There's a chance they could just sign Chris Cyborg in free agency straight up. In which case, what do you need to broach the PFL Bellator co-promotion for? Yeah, You don't even have to talk about cutting checks. You could just keep it all in-house if you sign them both. Okay, maybe that's why we haven't talked a lot about co-promotion yet. But... That means you're going to have to toss money. Either you're going to have to cut a check if Bellator keeps Cyborg, or you're going to have to cut a possibly bigger check up front to get Cyborg from Bellator. Because you know Bellator's going to make an offer. You know Cyborg has to be thinking about some boxing options. Yeah. Cyborg most likely is going to be a pay-per-view fighter, so she keeps the boxing open. Um, All of that to say is that if PFL is going to make that happen, you're going to have to spend money. Because with what is available on the market, I can't tell you that there is a $50, $60 pay-per-view you can make with the, quote, unsigned talent. What I mean, you're not in UFC right now. You're not in Bellator. You're not in One. You're not in Horizon, <clears throat> something like that. You're not, yeah. uh, you know... Like I said, if they spend money, they could get Jake Paul to fight for them. That's an idea. But like I said, that is a pie-in-the-sky kind of goal to try to sell a, quote, successful pay-per-view. And we've seen it. Bellator has tried stacking the deck. Promotions like Affliction have tried stacking the deck. It is very hard to do in MMA for the simple reason that you already have an established... uh, You have a status quo... What is the, quote, top product? So, yeah, uh, all of this to say, PFL has spent a lot of money to make money. They're about to have to spend a lot more money again if you are going to even make a dent in the pay-per-view landscape, for sure. Yeah, I think what you're saying about Cyborg, you know, if that gets, a, if that they manage to secure her over to the PFL side, that's a great way to kick off your pay-per-view um venture cyborg harrison okay that's a good one uh, what do you have what do you got after that right it's like you can you can stack that one card so so two for the year like it would it would probably have to be cyborg harrison for the first pay-per-view and then the rematch for the second pay-per-view 
assuming the first one was a good fight. And then you, you know, you put Pettis, you put McDonald, you put Clay Collard. If Ray Cooper, the third is back in, in business, you can put him in there. Like there are names, but then you have to look at what are you going to charge for it? If you charge too little, you'll get more people, but does that devalue your brand? If you charge too much, either nobody buys her or they pirate the heck out of it. And then there goes your pay-per-view business. So this is an interesting story that's going to be, I'm, I'm looking forward to tracking it as, you know, as the year, the time progresses here, because is it ever going to usurp pay, UFC's pay-per-view um, numbers? No. But if I'm PFL, I'm thinking, why should the UFC be the only pay-per-view game in town for MMA? Like we're never going to get there if we don't try and we're on ESPN you know, presumably they would do it the same way that UFC does it through the ESPN Plus app. If they get support from ESPN, it could turn into something. But again, look at the roster. That's your biggest problem when you're talking about another promotion trying to do a pay-per-view. Um, but I like Cyborg Harrison. That's the way you get it done, at least for the first pay-per-view card anyway. I mean, I'm going to leave it at to be determined, but... Uh, we, we've just seen too many examples. Pay-per-view well, is an yeah. uphill battle. It, it it's is. just, it, like I said, I, I'm really, like you want to see it succeed because you know what it could mean for the business, but at the same time, it's like, oof. Like, I know what it takes and it's hard for me to say this is going to be it, right? So, yeah. Um. Uh, side note, PFL announced that the final playoff date, so not the finals, The this is right before the finals, are actually going to take place in the UK. They're going to be in Wales on August 13th and then London on August 20th. Um, I know that they PFL actually had this uh, kind of like the Bellator European series. Like it doesn't even make it on like Showtime or previously Paramount Spike. Yeah. But they had it and they developed um, talent in the you know United Kingdom and Ireland and all that. And I think PFL had plans to do that pre-pandemic. Like, they they had a Challenger series, but then they were also going to be like, oh, we're also going to do the European circuit and try to find some of the talent overseas. I do like this in the fact that I think that this is a good sign that PFL's resources, if it was just about staying in a little venue like they did season one in a lot of places in America... That would maybe give me a reason to say, oh, I don't know how they're going to afford this. Yeah. The fact that they're able to expand and have this kind of reach, I think that's a good sign. I like it too. It's it's the European market is, you see Bellator with their success there. So it's a smart move to, to build the brand. Yeah. It also feels like, you know, I mean, we're coming off the success of UFC London in March. And that just kind of let it felt like everybody knows like, hey, like we can like we can make some noise like the Europeans love MMA the way I mm -hmm. think they wish a lot of the American uh, venues would go crazy for it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I'm sorry, but when was the last time a fight night had people chanting for a guy like third from the top of the card and Patty the Batty? Well, you I, know, maybe they should stop doing them at the apex. But yeah, I hear your point. Okay, so we're about to talk about that. Okay. Perfect segue. Um, so we'll discuss it, but, uh, you know, quick spoiler. The UFC between now, I believe, and the beginning of August, they will actually only be at the Apex four times. The rest is all on the road. So we will talk. Yeah, we will talk about that. 
But look, uh, fight announcements, fight announcements, fight announcements. Um, the June 25th card. So that one is actually so coming up in a couple weeks. That one's going to be headlined by lightweights Armin Sarukian, who's 18-2 and two on a five-fight win streak. And Matus Gamrot, who is 20-1, and three-fight win streak. Uh, they were previously set for the undercard. And it looks like UFC just decided, you know what? We're going to give them the shine and bump them up to a five-round main event. Uh, what are your thoughts on this one? Personally, for me, it's just like, okay, look, like, I know we have like a big four, big five of, you know, Charles, Gaethje, Poirier, Tony, Chandler, and them. It The lightweight division is loaded. So, yes, maybe you thought one of these guys would fight like a, a veteran to get to the main event position. I do think this is very exciting. You got two guys. Only one can probably set up a fight where they're now in the conversation to fight those top five, six guys. What about you? I, yeah, I like it. I like that it's two, two like peers, right? Because this way, whoever comes out on top gets in that conversation, like you said. And if they both put on a great performance, which based on these records looks like they will, then you still have, you know, the the loser. Uh, in in contention at the next tier below, right? I like it too because it just helps bring new life into the top of the division. Even though they're all killers, we've all seen them sort of fight each other already. And so any little bit of mix-up that you can get is good for the division just to keep people interested and to keep the top, you know, on their toes a little bit more. Oh, for sure. Uh, definitely. And like I said, we don't see it often. So I, I do like it. I think that they, they're going to come in with something to prove a little bit, if I may say so. So I, yeah. I think that'll be a lot of fun. Um, the next one, Brian Ortega versus Yair Rodriguez set for July 19th on the road, Long Island, New York. What are your thoughts? Great, 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 great fight. A lot on the line here for both guys. This is one of those where it, it makes me think of the fight we were just talking about, except, you know, it's two like-minded opponents um, that are in need of a win, um, but they're just, you know, higher up on the on the totem pole here for the for the featherweight division anyway. Uh, there's, like, absolutely nothing but excitement for a matchup like this. This is a great main event for a fight night. So, like, if you're not excited about this, <laughs> you're not an MMA fan. I hate to say that, but, like, can you disagree with me? <laughs> no. No, uh, I completely get where you're coming from. I think for me, uh, on the strength of his performance, even though he lost against Max Holloway for Yair, I think that uh, this is a big one, especially if you think, okay, we're coming up in July, you know, I believe the week, maybe a week or two before, uh, two weeks, sorry. Um, Max and Alex are going to fight for the third time. If Alex wins that, you got to think that a Yair victory kind of sets it up you know next man up process of an elimination alex has already fought the other top featherweights for brian ortega this fight is also huge if he plans to stay at 145 because quite bluntly you think about the way he lost to alex you think about the way he lost to max this is you know you kind of don't want to be in a position where people feel like you are good but you are not a top level guy yeah. And when you've had two losses against one and two the way he has, you really do need to have a good showing to prove you're still in the conversation to set up those big fights that you, that everybody wants, right? It, obviously, any contender, they want to get into the title eliminator, then the championship fights. 
you got to deliver in a fight like this one after the one you've had for Brian Ortega. So I think in that way, it's been a minute since he's fought. So I think that the layoff actually helps him the most when you think about the time it'll before this fight. But overall, yes, this is just a great stylistic matchup. I expect just fun television there. Uh, the next one, Patty Pimblett versus Jordan Levitt. So this one, July 23rd, London. So there was some talk that maybe Patty was, maybe he's looking for a little more money. He kind of proved like, hey, I have one fight in the UFC and they're still chanting my name during the co-main event for crying out loud. It's time to talk about, you know, some more money, even though I'm only one fight in. Uh, I don't know the details if that was the case. Did he get paid? Is he getting paid? What I do know is Patty the Batty in London. I already think that makes it must-see television for Jordan Levitt. Uh, very interesting guy, another solid up-and-comer. Most importantly, people kind of feel like Jordan, he's got the right kind of mentality to fight Patty. He's uh, hes uh, got some clips online, you know, he likes to go running barefoot. And I don't mean like running like around the backyard. I mean like out on his like run in the grass barefoot and he's... He does the splits like he's Vanessa Demopoulos. And yeah, I believe they said he's twer- I missed the clip. I'm sorry, guys. But I guess he twerked after a victory. And they're like, if Jordan twerks on Patty after beating him, the hype train might just be over. Like, it'll be like, remember Back to the Future 3 where the train just goes right off the tracks? Yes, yeah. <laughs> they feel like Jordan. if Jordan does that to Patty the Batty, it could be, you know some scenes in the UK, you know, like the flag may fly at half mass the next day. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, just thoughts. I'll leave it at that. Yeah, I mean, like, that's hard to hard to respond to after that. But uh, two things, uh, excited for the matchup. It's a good one. In London, of course, Patty's going to shine. As far as did he get the money he was asking for? I'm going to guess no. I'm going to guess that either his manager talked to him or the UFC talked to his manager and said like can you please remind him that he's brand new to the UFC and he just signed his contract and if he didn't like what he was going to get maybe he shouldn't have signed it like I'm all for the fighters getting more more money but he knew his value coming in and if he wasn't happy with the contract like I feel like complaining after the first fight is just not the way to handle it so maybe it was just talk for the cameras and he never actually had any real conversations in the background um but i think keep winning and and doing it in your hometown again that's great so let's keep the train rolling unless you know jordan levitt twerks on on your train tracks so we'll see so i I think my one thing because we've actually seen it happen i believe taitu ivasa you know he came in starched two guys and said they re-upped him for a new contract right there on the spot and so I do think that Patty's appeal in the UK particularly, I can't say that he doesn't have a case to make more money if they're planning, you know, let's just say it bluntly. Since Michael Bisping, the UFC has tried many times to kind of have a breakthrough to have that UK person, right? To kind of have, you know... I don't know that this is necessarily necessary, but I sometimes feel like, okay, they want a UK star so they could put pay-per-views in the UK. They could just as easily put a John Jones or one of those guys in the UK, but look, I get it. You know, the 
there's more money to be made having a guy like Jones and the Connors and the Masvidal's in Vegas, in Madison Square Garden. Okay, you know. That being said, I do think that you can't underestimate... By the way, Dana White, I I know this morning, also confirmed like a extended deal with BT Sports. So the UFC is still going to be on a big network in the UK. I don't think you can underestimate having someone like Patty, you know, pretty... uh, Like, you know, sharing the love a little bit, you know? By keeping him and keeping him happy, especially if he says, "Okay, I'll keep it in the UK and this and that." So, my all of that is to say, Patty does have a case to get paid, and when you do what he did last in March, yeah, I'm sorry, but yes, this is someone you renegotiate. They, I'll say this. Okay, who's the other guy we compare him to in terms of that? Sean O'Malley. Yeah, that's fair. You tell me when's the last time people cheered like that for Sean O'Malley? Never. Thank you. Next one. Paulo Costa versus Luke Rockhold. So it looks like this one is going to be moved from July 30th, UFC 277, to the August 20th event. Now, to my knowledge, I'm not entirely sure if that's the date of the next pay-per-view. But um, the fact is, uh, there's been now some talk. Luke Rockhold's come out and done some interviews. He said Costa has not signed the contract that said we're going to fight on July 30th. He said that he felt like Paolo might be trying to delay it. He also let it slip, or uh, let's be honest, he did it on purpose. Mm-hmm. said the UFC is monitoring Paolo Costa week to week, like, you know, during camp to make sure he is not going to pull some shenanigans with his weight like he did uh, against Marvin Vittori. Yeah. So um, I'm going to just leave it at that. That's a lot of information. What are your thoughts? Well... Paulo, Paulo Costa turned, went from being like this fearsome contender with all the muscles and the looks to kind of being a little bit, uh, I'm not going to say he's a joke, but you know, he's a getting punchline. Lamp- yeah, punchline. He's getting lampooned a lot. And it's just kind of interesting to see where his career is going to go. Like he has to actually start performing and stop with the shenanigans to get back to that place where he was feared and, you know, respected and, uh, you know, and so that's Paulo Costa. Luke Rockhold, I, I didn't look it up, so I can't remember the last time he fought. Was that to Jan or Dominic? Who did he fight? I believe it was Jan Blahovic. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he got murked and it's been a, it's been a minute, as you say. So I'm very curious to see how he's going to look. Paulo Costa at this stage and, and the way he's behaving, Paulo Costa, I think it's a good opponent for Luke Rockhold. You know, if this was um, Adesanya Paulo Costa or pre-Adesanya Paulo Costa, I would be worried for Luke Rockhold. But I think this could be a good moment for Luke Rockhold to come back into the fray and say, you know, uh, you might have forgotten me, but I'm, I'm still good. I'm still around. Um, his chin, we'll see how Luke Rockhold's chin holds up. So these are all the things I'm thinking about as we, as we look on upon this fight. So Jermaine Durandamy, when she said she wasn't going to fight Chris Cyborg when she was champion, when Jermaine was champion, and she had a line, she said, uh, pretty much the UFC put me on probation. Mm -hmm. Like, like, you know, like I'm still a fighter, but like, they don't, they see me as you are on thin ice. If you act up, we're going to take action. Right. Paulo Costa is on probation. Gotcha. And I, I will say, and... 
We went at length at this when it happened, but essentially he took advantage of the situation. He knew it was a very weak card outside mm -hmm. of his fight with Marvin Vittori. I don't know how far off he... Uh, I, I don't know if this was always his plan or what, but the fact is he saw an opportunity and he played his cards. Marvin Vittori was game, but otherwise he essentially pulled what was... I'll say it. It was a very bad move. It was in poor taste. I, it, it left me feeling a certain way about Paolo as a, in terms of sportsmanship. Um, I don't... Th this is not going to happen again. They're not going to put themselves in that position. And clearly the UFC is saying, we're not going to have any of this BS. And I, I think they're just trying to send a message through Paolo. If you try something like this, you are going to be very inconvenienced and we really don't care your personal feelings about it. Mm -hmm. Fighters complain, hey, fighters want a clean sport. They complain about you saw it all the time. The app, the wake up at 5 a.m., yeah. come in, I miss this, I miss that. I had to leave this to go pee in a cup with the guy right next to me. All of this. So I think that knowing you have another level of scrutiny is the UFC's way of saying we are going to have no nonsense. Now, in terms of delaying it, and I know Paolo is such a weird guy to read because on social media he leans right into it. Like he's tweeting Patty, how the heck do I lose that much weight? Because, you know, Patty, Patty's just one of those guys. It just seems like he puts weight on immediately. <laughs> You've seen the photos. He's yeah. People have brought it up with him. And so Paolo's like, wait, how are you going to cut all that weight in a month? And Patty obviously played into it for the fun of it. Um, so I don't know if necessarily he's not been in camp. I do have a feeling there's a little, I don't know. I don't know if he's just trying to enjoy his summer or he wasn't planning on fighting and they're trying to expedite him. But the fact is, I get the impression that he is not going to be prepared for late July, which is still beginning of June. So what's going on? That's my question. Mm. Um, go, oh, go ahead. No, that's it. I just, you know, what's going on? Like, Paulo Costa, it's like he doesn't care or he thinks he still is, somehow he thinks he still has um, some favor with the UFC. But, yeah, you saying, you know, put it in, into perspective, like probation, yeah, he's on a thin uh, thin wire here with the with the UFC. So if I'm him, I'm just like, yes, sir. Right, but okay. Yeah, it's just I don't know. I, I I know he's playing into it because it creates headlines, but I also feel like he is poking the bear with his online persona about the whole situation because it's like, no, Paolo, that was not cool what you did. It was not funny. It was nope. not cute, and you with the wine and I, I just he tweeted out. They were like, um. Uh, I'll say, look, did you see the headline this morning yet? No. He, uh, I guess he had some kind of altercation with a nurse about uh, uh, a, a vaccine, whether or not he had it or any of that. I don't know all of the details. I kind of just went through the headline. But essentially, he was being questioned about his vaccination status and his vaccine card. And there was some kind of physical... I'm not saying like he straight up like made a fist loaded up and hit a nurse, but there was some kind of jostling and physical contact. There was physical contact between Paolo and a nurse who was inquiring about his uh, vaccination status. 
Oh my goodness. And then, okay, yeah. And then, you know, I need to pull it up because it kind of, I read it like right before we went on the air. So like, you know, we're going over a lot of stuff, guys. But then he went on Twitter and said, I know how to apply my own vaccine. And he, he essentially made fun of the fact that people think that he is um, juicing and he had like the thing of the T-bowl and the syringe in the arm. And it's oh, like, P- Paolo, Paolo, that's silly. Paolo. <laughs> it's like, ay, 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 you know, so it's like this stuff is just in a. <clears throat> yeah, you know, what do you what do you say? It's just some of that. So I don't know. Hold on. OK, here. There we go. Uh, Paolo Costa accused of striking a nurse. Uh were taken to a police station where they were questioned, said that Costa showed up to receive his vaccine, but it could, before, I guess, uh, I think this is misspelled, before it could be administered, he tried to leave with a vax card. The the card was, okay, the quote, the card was filled out, the worker said that at the time of application, he did not accept to be vaccinated, he just wanted to, he wanted to leave with the card and they did not accept it. At that moment, at that moment, a nurse was elbowed. So it's like, <sighs> dude, like you're a man hitting a woman. Okay. That's terrible. Obviously you're a professional fighter doing that to a woman, to anybody really, but especially to a woman like, bro, you are, you are low level individual. Yeah, right. So there. him to tweet about that after the fact, it's like, uh, Paolo, Paolo, yeah, that, that, Paolo. You know what I mean? I just, ah, dude, what's going on, man? You can't be doing this. ignorant, and he just doesn't feel like, he he feels like he's untouchable for for whatever reason. Oh, boy, oh, boy. I don't have anything more I can add. I gotta move on. Yeah. I think we're done. Yeah. um, The Paris card, September 3rd. So, um, first off, announced this morning, uh, Rob Whitaker and Marvin Vittori is now going to be on the Paris card. Uh, I don't know if we discussed it, but it came out a few weeks ago. Whitaker was, you know, he was recovering from an injury. He tried to keep the fight for next Saturday on the pay-per-view. Couldn't do it, so now they're booking them for Paris. Uh, they should be... Oh my gosh, I'm blanking on it. I believe it's Cyril Gaon and Taito Ivasa, right? They are the, yes, that's yes, the, yeah, the, yeah. I was gonna say, who is Cyril with? They put him with Ty, right? Mm-hmm. Anyway, but I mean, I'm not saying that's a pay per view, but I'm not gonna lie, that's a pretty strong fight night when it you is. talk about it. Because now you have okay, you got Cyril and Ty, Whitaker, Vittori, and then the last one confirmed Caitlin Chikagian versus Manon Fioro. It's spelled Fiorat, I can't say the other one. I'm sorry, Manon, <laughs> I need the lesson on it. But the fact is, uh, you got that, you know, that's a pretty good three-pack at the top of a fight night. Is this the French so. chick that Caitlin was asking for? Yes. Okay. And who everyone's already, like, scheduling, like, okay, this is the next girl for Valentina. Uh-huh. So I think, I mean, one, that's obviously a big fight for Manon because you beat Caitlin. At this stage of the game, you probably get that flyweight title fight. And it doesn't matter what happens. Alexa Grasso's there. Alexa Grasso. I don't know. You beat Caitlyn and you're Manon. I think that secures you the title shot regardless of what Alexa does. So 
assuming uh, Valentina doesn't get a Bantamweight title shot if she wins on Saturday, next Saturday, I mean, then um, really, that's a title eliminator for Fioro. I agree. Yeah. So, yeah. I know, it's anticlimactic after getting in it with Paolo, <laughs> isn't it? Well, you know, you know. <laughs> what can we say? The thing is, is, is um, Shevchenko's just so, so good. That You're not pumped like, up about any of the well, new okay. girls. Next, next in line. Um, and Caitlin Chukagian, for whatever reason, you know, I, I like most of all the MMA fighters in the UFC roster. I cannot explain why Caitlin Chukagian, sometimes her fights um, leave me wanting some more. And so, like, I'm just not so She's pumped up so about it. She's so efficient. She's she looks, moving. She Her moves well and she grapples well. What's yeah, John Danner? Like she's she's got everything on paper that look that seems like it should be great, and you see her just throwing punches and kicks. It looks perfect. It's like textbook. So uh, why are you hating? <laughs> I'm not hating. I just you know it hasn't come together the way I always want it to for her in 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 her fights. Like I feel like she looks like she should be fighting better but i think it's tough because she is long she has long arms and long legs i think look i mean let's just say it like it is she's had a long career and she looks like she's still at the best of it i think that's probably a testament to the way she fights it's just very efficient right it's almost it's efficient in the way that you almost don't like she's good at not getting hit she's good at not taking damage and she's good at really neutralizing you in a lot of positions She's the second best flyweight out there behind Valentina. Yeah, yeah, say it no bluntly. doubt. Yeah, you, that's a very, very nice way of, of uh, you know, but, but I get it. Yeah. Does she get into a banger? Does she sleep people often? No, she doesn't. No, but you know, then there's something to be said about me as an MMA fan that, like, oh, if you don't do that, I, I don't, I'm not interested. You know, that's not fair either. So I was about to say, so it's like a relationship. You're saying it's not her, it's you. <laughs> <laughs> It's me. It's, okay. it's me. You know, I, I gotta say, a very gangster. She's just like, you know what? I get it. You guys aren't in a hurry to see me fight Valentina. Give me whoever you want. Let me just go out there and kick some butt. All right, yeah. I, I'll take it. I like that. That's I like a good. I think if you're where her at, you want her to have that attitude, and she does. I'm here for it. Okay. Oh man. Uh, let's talk about this one. I think you'll really like it. Uh, Heroic Holland saves the day again. So Kevin Holland. Uh, okay. I, I gotta admit it. So this is MMA fighting Damon Martin. He kind of just teed it up and said, Kevin, have you done any heroics lately? And Kevin, he, he tees it up and Kevin tells the story. He Kevin gives him the story. He did not play it modestly. Which that's my only thing about this story that I kind of you know, it was a little, he could have said, uh, I mean, does Batman brag about how many times he's defeated the Joker? Never. Exactly. Never. Does Spider-Man talk about how many times he's fought one of the dozen Spider-Man bad guys? No. But okay, so Kevin Holland uh, tells the story. There was a overturn, like an 18-wheeler, huge uh, truck on the freeway. And Kevin Holland, uh, he describes it. It was happening like he was on the freeway already. He had just gone on it. He sees in the rearview mirror the truck turns over as it enters the freeway kind of deal. And he pulls over and he talks about going over there, getting the door open and helping the driver out. 
Um, this is after October, where he stopped the, you know, he, he went after the guy who carjacked the little the car. The car, yeah. yeah. <laughs> who jacked the car. Then yeah. in March, he helped stop the gunman who was shooting up the restaurant with his friend. Kevin Holland and his friend stopping yeah. him, I mean. And, um, you know, I don't know. Uh, so, Natalie, have you ever seen Batman and Kevin Holland in the same room? I mean... <laughs> What do we? How do we describe this? What do you? What, what do you even say about this? This one's funny because he said the part about where the driver kept wanting to go back into the truck to get his things, and the guy was like, "Dude, like, like the car could bl- this could blow up." I know. And so he goes and helps him again, and it's like, "Oh my god!" At that point, Kevin Holland must have been saying to himself, "I gotta stop this uh, hero business because now these guys are fighting against me." Um, yeah, it is crazy. I'm. I, I, what it made me think is like, have I seen instances where I could have been a hero and I just kept driving or I just kept walking by? <laughs> because how is it that this guy keeps com- keeps getting confronted by these moments? And um, I don't think I've seen anything, honestly. And you know, look, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a lady who's a gentleman. I hold the door open. If you drop a sweater, I pick it up. I give it back to you. But you know, that's about it. <laughs> I'm not gonna save your butt. Uh, so I hear this. How much stuff happens in Houston that he keeps finding himself like, bro? How dangerous a place is Houston to live in, man? Like, I, I dude, like Texas. I'm sorry, but like the the numbers are not looking good when I keep yeah, reading Texas. these things. A lot of action in Texas. <laughs> yeah, it's um, you know, look, I, I've been to Texas. I like those people. Y'all were amazing, but man, how much stuff ha- can how much crime has to occur for one guy to actually be around all these incidents? Oh, yeah, you know what that's I mean? a good point. Like, what are the odds that everywhere he goes, something bad's happening? <laughs> it's like, dude, you know. Anyway, but um, look, I, I mean, when you hear about a guy like Stipe, who's a firefighter, uh, longtime police officer, Chris Dawkins, things like that, uh, th- these are guys with other options now, right? With their lives, yeah. but they choose public service and... That's a really awesome thing. It makes you feel really lucky to live in a community, I'm sure, to know you that those are the people you have who are answering the calls, right? Yeah. Um, when you hear about Kevin Holland, you know, I'm split because, I mean, bro, how, how bad is your luck that stuff keeps happening around you that you are called to action when this is, you know, not what you signed up for? And look, like you said, he could have kept driving, but then, uh, which leads at the same time, man, am I glad for all those people that he's there. I yeah. think it's awesome. So I'm not going to lie. I have split feelings, but more than anything, I'm just like, you know what? I'm glad it makes me happy for the city of Houston to know you got a guy like Kevin Holland around. Yeah, Something. for sure. For sure. Right. And then, I, I mean, as you're, as you're talking, I'm thinking like, okay, obviously I haven't saved anybody, but I've been, you know, the beneficiary of some kindness on the road. And so it's, it is nice that there's people out there that will, you know, help, uh, help someone in need. And so, you know, I think I'm just not one of them yet. I haven't done <laughs> anything nice to anybody for anybody, but, um, you know, look, everyone has a role to play in life and say, some don't, people don't do the big things and some people do the small things, right? Like I said, I'm, I'm very polite and I'm very courteous. Don't. I think that, that helps. Um. I'm so less likely to be a hero now that I have a kid. Like he's the only person I can be a hero for if oh that makes gosh. any sense you know what it's scary but you kind of hope you're not never called into it because 
the fact is this stuff happens every day so i think once again it just shows you just how amazing kevin holland is to um to be in this position where you know look he's able to help people and you know what people have made it home safely and things have been a little more okay because he was around so god bless yep Let's talk about the action. Uh, UFC Vegas 56. Uh, So I'm going to just say like it is to a lot of people. This is a one fight card, but it's a good fight at the top of it. Alexander Volkov taking on Jarzinho Rosenstrike. Two very experienced heavyweights. Two very technical heavyweights. Two very stylistically different heavyweights. So uh, I'm actually going to toss it to you. What are your thoughts on this one? Well... Look, Volkov is is a great striker. He's got the jab, the length, the reach, right? All that stuff. He's taller than heck. And Jarzinho, he doesn't move around the way Volkov does around the cage. But if he lands one on you, it's going to put you down. You know, I was watching his fight with Augusto Sakai. And, like, I literally rewound it, like, five times because the finishing sequence the 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 right hand shot that's that hit Sakai to my eyes never even touched him, <laughs> like I couldn't see the con- the contact between the fist and the and the um the head, but the commentators and everyone are saying you know it was the right hand it was the right hand they keep replaying it, and it's like okay I'm clearly just at a bad angle but what what the conclusion was from the commentators and even the comments on YouTube is like this guy is so strong that he barely touches you and you go falling. And so that's the the fear if you're fighting Rosenstrike is that even if it doesn't look like he's going to hit you, if he touches you, it's more power than you've probably felt against most of the other heavyweights. So if I'm Volkov, I'm using my footwork and using that jab to keep distance, to create distance, I should say, and just doing the long, um, fighting the long game, right? Trying to get through round by round, winning point by point. Um the Fabricio Verdum fight with Volkov was an old fight, but it was up on, on YouTube, so I did watch that one as well. And he he was patient. You know, Volkov was patient with Verdum, who kept trying to take him down. And when he did get him down, he held him down. But but it was Volkov who, once he was able to land combinations, was hurting Verdum and then ultimately uh, was able to finish him. So Volkov has to stay patient. If I'm Rosenstrike, you want a little bit of patience at the beginning to feel things out. But what you really want to do is kind of push forward and and get and land some heavy bombs. So I'll leave it at that and toss it back to you and, and wait for your uh, for your prediction. Yeah, I think to me the biggest thing is the um the momentum for both of these guys is that you know you got Volkov who's on the door of a title shot and now he's kind of uh, he's been up and down. I believe he's alternated the wins and losses since mm-hmm. um. Derek Lewis snapped it, and now, look, he had that big moment against uh, Tom Aspinall in March, and, uh, you know, kind of ended up being a quick affair for him. And then for Jorginho, you've got a great team around you at American Top Team, but ever since you had that hot start in 2019, now it's been, I believe, alternated wins and losses as well. Against top-level guys, I mean, Francis Ngannou and Cyril Ghosn are obviously no pushover. But this does feel like, okay, you know, stylistically it's big, but then also you got both of them around 33, 34. 
young for heavyweights, but then at the same time, they still got so much experience. This now becomes kind of like a, who, who gets to stay, who gets to keep headlining cards? Who gets to keep being in the on the marquee? Who keeps getting main card slots and ranked fights? And who maybe, you know, you kind of start being the guy who propels other people into the top five, even though you're not there anymore. That's a dangerous position. So I think that that's going to influence a little bit of the urgency on Saturday. Stylistically, they're so different in that Volkov, he's so long, he's so effective and efficient with using his length and his range and then Jarzinho he's a little bit like Mark Hunt like he doesn't look like this fearsome striker the way you kind of have that stereotype in your mind but he's just so efficient and consistent at just his shot selection he's got like 80 Muay Thai fights he knows how to pick his spots and get in and out um He's not the fastest guy. He doesn't move like Israel Adesanya and slip. And it's just like he's got another gear in the bike. Uh, He just picks his spots and he surges forward. And he just conserves that energy really well. He doesn't get into wild exchanges. It's all very technical. It's all very methodical. What I think that this is going to be a key for is can Volkov show that he can actually keep a guy like Jarzinho off of him. Someone who is very technical, but let's be honest, he should have a lot of the physical advantages over. Then for Jarzinho, you just got to show that you cannot actually execute the game plan. You could chop down the tree. We're not expecting takedowns. We're not expecting much grappling. So should be a very fun striking fight. I think there are paths to victory for both. But what I like about it, you're really coming down to who can just execute a better game plan. Because the skills and the styles, they actually feel like they're right about the same level. Not the same, just the same level of technical proficiency. I like that. That's well put. Um, Yeah, so with that in mind, even though Volkov has the, like, steady striking advantage as far as you know combinations just down the line can keep hitting you with with similar shots over and over again I think that's going to work to his advantage for a while but eventually Rosenstrike's just going to be able to land the bomb and I think that's going to happen somewhere around oh I'll say round three I say TKO Rosenstrike round three Uh, I can see that it's like you could see both of these guys winning in that way yeah it's because I could see that very clearly just chopping down the tree using the kicks get in and out just frustrate Volkov in that way I think Volkov is a guy a lot of people just keep writing off and I think he's a lot better than people give him credit for I actually think the fact that there's no real expected grappling element I mean, he might, Jorginho might try it, but I think that they're both actually looking to strike and have a good showing. I actually think that Volkov's going to do what he does, keep him away, and it it's not going to be the most exciting fight in that way, but I think it's going to be a five-round decision. He just keeps out maneuvering Jorginho, and he gets the win. All right, yeah. I mean, I was definitely thinking that way too, so... 
we're uh I feel like no matter the outcome we'll both be uh we'll both say, Oh yeah, that seems about right. <laughs> <laughs> For sure, right? Yep. And then um next week, Natalie, we've got the triple header. So Ooh. next week we've got Glover Tashira against the samurai Jiri Prohashka. We've got Valentina Shevchenko taking on Tyler Santos. And then we've got the rematch, Zhongwei Lee, Joanna Yo and Jacek 2. What are you looking forward to? Dude, yeah, this one's really a great triple header here for, for UFC 275. I think the guaranteed action-packed matchup is going to be Zhang uh, Jacek 2 with a potential for a great finish by Shevchenko against Santos. But also, um, when I look at Tashira Prohaska, Prohaska um, I don't. I think it's going to be a good fight, but I don't expect you know Glover Tashira to get caught up in some kind of back and forth barn burning blowout. So that's going to be the more the most measured of the three fights is is the main event. Uh, guaranteed hit though with the uh, Whaley and Joanna for sure. Yeah, I think that the stylistic matchup. I think that. Um... I mean, Glover and the Cinderella story, right? Like, yeah. you know, you, you just have this young killer who you feel really worried could just strike midnight with one of those hammers like it get, did against Dominic Reyes. But stylistically, it's actually a really clever fight when you think about the strengths of Glover's game and the weaknesses that we've seen from Prohashka. So that makes it a really interesting one. Can he execute it against this younger guy? We'll get into that. Um... And yeah, you know what? Uh, I talk with Joanna, and I gotta say, like, she's just very. She's just. Uh, it's exactly what you think it is when you see her scrums and her other interviews. She's just kind of got this level of calm and cool when mm-hmm. she's talking about it. Like, she really does. Like, she does convince me. It's like, oh, I, like I got this against Zhang Wei Li. Mm-hmm. Like I, I've been training and I want this. Yeah, and I'm, yeah. I'm at this stage of my career and I'm in this point in my life and I'm like, I am drinking the Kool Aid. The more she was talking, I gotta say. <laughs> um, but look, uh, um, at Double G on TV, I've posted it and there's links everywhere. Let me know, you'll see it. I, it's there for you. But yeah, um, like you said, it's hard to predict, even if it's different from the first fight, it not being an entertaining matchup. And then anytime you get to see a talent like Valentina perform, you just kind of enjoy it for what it is. No, the B-side isn't always there, but you get to see what does the highest level of MMA look like when she fights. Yeah. And I'm here for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But Natalie, we'll get into all of those predictions and matchups next week. Until then, guys, thank you for listening. Have a good one. And as always, enjoy the fights. <laughs>